Coming live from Ashburn, Virginia, USA is our guest this evening. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Alan Carroll, educational psychologist who specializes, who specializes in transpersonal psychology. More we'll ask from him. This is a very special thing. And we'll be talking about how to transform. One can transform themselves from amateur speakers into professional speakers through mindfulness. Welcome to the show, Alan. Thank you, AJ. What a privilege to be here. I'm excited at being able to share things with folks. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's a pleasure to have you on the show. So, Alan, straightway to the question itself. You know, you talk about transforming amateur speakers into professional speakers. It is like, you know, a person who's amateur speaker, you are telling an amateur speaker, singer or a bathroom singer that, listen, I can transform you into a professional singer. The fear of speaking for some people is such. So to understand from you, how can one transform themselves from an amateur speaker into a professional speaker? Over to you, several things at the same time so that you can answer them at your own pace. All right. Thank you. A, it, it, when, when you speak, you're, you are blowing hot air or warm air out of your body. And you are using your tongue and your lips to vibrate the air. And then everyone can do that. So everybody can blow air out of their body, use their tongue and their lips, blow just the right amount of air for just the right amount of time in order to make a sound. And everybody can do that. So that would be all the amateur speakers. Now, the difference between the amateur speaker and a professional speaker is that the professional speaker not only is able to formulate the sound, but they are also able to formulate no sound, a pause, a gap between the sounds that you speak. And when you can consciously create a gap between the sounds that you speak, you now control the number one tool of a professional speaker of a professional mindful speaker is that you're now able to control the time, the timing of your speaking. And when you can control the timing of your speaking, there's now a space between, between this sound and this sound. There's a, there's a space there. There's time. Well, time to do what? Time to think about breathing, oxygenating the body, get the prana energy in your body. If the sounds of an amateur speaker are too close together, you can't, you can't breathe. But if you can create little spaces, little pauses, little cracks, it allows you to oxygenate your body it allows you to release the physical tension. It allows you to get rid of the anxiety. It allows you to become grounded. It allows you to be able to formulate your thoughts 
And it also allows you to access wisdom, access creativity, but very few people practice the creation of pausing when they speak. And that just gives you a little glimpse into something that is available to everybody. Every space is available to everybody. Just pause, breathe, and relax. But the problem with that, or the challenge with that, is that you're not going to be able to pause, you're not going to be able to breathe, you're not going to be able to relax your body unless you have a thought. While I'm speaking to you, AJ, I have to have a thought in my head, Alan, stop speaking, take a breath, relax your body, and then continue to speak. Unless Unless you have that thought, you're not going to be able to control the instrument, which is your physical body, which is playing the music. I'm singing the notes. And so you have to be able to practice pausing. And so when we when we coach people, we're practicing on the ability not only to speak, but also to be able to pause. And it works. We've been doing this for 40 years all around the world, including India, many times to India. Right, right. We'll ask about that India, uh, so many times Indian vis- India visit. Uh, as of now, you know, you've traveled to 60 countries, you know, uh, Alan, and you've worked with major corporations like Cisco, SAP, HP, Facebook, AWS, Workday. I can tell so many of them. And you have trained thousands of speakers on how to you know, break the shackles, psychological shackles and transform their ability to think and articulate their thoughts at a professional level. So how do you do that? Even so many people can be good speakers, but they don't know. So how do you actually train them? What is the tool? What is the, what are the psychological chains that they are bound into that you're, you as a specialist help them break those things how does one become a speaker a professional speaker at that one of the uh, ways of looking at it is i use the word mindfulness right and mindfulness has lots of different definitions lots of different things to different people and one of the characteristics of mindfulness is to be in this moment of now without labeling, without judging, without painting my, if, if this was my, how I view what's going on right now, I take my paintbrush and I paint my interpretation of what I see right now. Oh, I see AJ, I see this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. And what mindfulness is, is the ability to be present but not to interpret anything. No narrative, no thinking. And in India, uh, they use a word, and you can correct me if I don't have it right. They have a word called mukti. And mukti is to achieve a state of liberation. A state of liberation like there's something on the other side of the thoughts that you think. And so if you can figure out a way of practicing getting to the other side of the thoughts that you think, 
you achieve a state of liberation, which is available to the speaker, because you may not be able to control the thoughts that you think, but you can control in the physical world the thoughts that you speak. And then you ask yourself, AJ, well, who do I speak for? I speak for me. Well, well, who's me? Well, me is your identity. Me is your conceptual identity. All the things that you consider yourself to be is your conceptual identity. And so we can disrupt the flow of the thoughts that you speak, which in turn affects the, affects the flow of thoughts that you think. And you're speaking for the ego. You're speaking for your identity. I'm right and you're wrong and this is good and this is bad and I like this and I don't like this. Up is appropriate. It's not, I, I'll label everything. I have a narrative about everything that I see, which is different than the way you see it and the way everybody else sees it. And so what we want to be able to do is, is pause between the sounds that you speak and you'll gain control. And what do you get? what are you going to get control of? You're going to get control of the tongue, the tongue of the ego. You tame the ego's tongue. And so now you have a choice about how I want to blow the warm air. What vibration do I want to create when I speak? Do I want to create an ego attack thoughts and I'm right and you're wrong and we got to do this and you're not? Or do I want to create love? compassion, and joy in my speaking. And so a mindful professional speaker not only transforms their ability to speak and improve the articulation, they also have access to a transcendent dimension of consciousness, which allows them to be present, allows them to be still, allows them to be anchored in this moment of now. But what you got to give up, you got to give up the sound that you want to make. And the sound is the ego. And so when I begin to create pauses and spaces and take away the sounds, the fabric of the ego begins to dissolve. And you are released from the prison of the thoughts that create the suffering. Not only the suffering of speakers, number one fear people have is public speaking, but also the psychological suffering of just all the things that are happening in the world right now. All the grievances and all the complaints that you have about everything from the time you were born to this moment of now. And so by pausing, you begin to aerate the soil of your thoughts, put holes in the fabric, ventilate and that will allow you to be like a screen door. The wind and the agitation will flow through you rather than resist what's happening and use my energy and my anger to stop the flip. You don't want to do that one because that, that damages your physical, mental, and emotional body. Right. Back to you, AJ. Right, right. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm listening to it all mesmerized. And you know, by the way, you have put things, Alan. Now for a professional speaker, Alan, uh, who does he speak to? 
or for? Does he speak for or to himself? Or is it to the people that he is talking there? Is it, does he have to deliver a message which he is intended? That's why people are paying him many a times and people are earning so much of that. So what should be, what are the things that should be there on a professional speaker's mind to get the best outcome? One of the sayings is called WIFM, W-I-I-I-F-M. What is in it for me? Okay. So now I'm standing in front of the audience, and I want the audience to pay attention to me. Now, the audience will pay attention to me if I give them a, a reason to pay attention to me. And so what I want to know about the audience is what is the pain or what is the challenges or what are the issues that they're facing in their organization that they want to solve, that they want to relax. They want to, they want to reduce the tension. They want to reduce the issues that are, are in the organization, whether it's individuals, personals, management, whatever, whatever the issues are, they want to reduce those issues. And so I'm a, an engineer. I'm going to, oh, I'm a specialist in networking. And I can see that the customers have networking issues. So I would start the conversation with, oh, so I see based on our understanding is that you're facing two challenges right now within your organization. The speed in which the information is passing through the system and also the quality of that information. Now, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share with you some of the ways that our organization can increase the speed and also increase the quality of, of, of the quality of the information within your organization. So now you hear that you're in pain about speed and quality. Alan, whoa, he, he knows something that might help me to solve the problem. So now I have got their attention. Now, my observation is that that's not the way amateur speakers do it. Amateur speakers say, hi, good afternoon. My name is Alan, and I'm here today to talk about the, the, the network and speeds of networks. I have three points I'm going to cover. First point, second point, third point. Now, let's talk about my first point. What's missing is that second slide on your PowerPoint. The first slide is the title slide. Okay, name, title. But the second slide is why you should pay attention to me. And if you don't give them a reason to pay attention to you, then you can't complain that they're looking at their laptop, they are looking at their phone, uh, they're not paying attention, and therefore your effectiveness, your impact is going to be reduced. And so I want to understand what are the challenges and what are the pain that the customer has once I know that, then I can take a look at whether my skill set is a skill set that I can make a contribution to, to solve and to reduce the suffering and to provide a service uh, to the people that I'm talking to. So that I need to know that. It, it, the more I know that, the more I can tailor my talk to allow the, the I call it healing, you can say healing, to, to, to resolve the, the pain or the suffering that the customers are experiencing within their organization. Right, Alan, right. Now, 
is there a thing called art of speaking and if it is an art then how does it work with mindfulness how does it work how are these two things uh, they move together or is it that they are two different things and uh, how do you put it sure uh, art of speaking another word you could use for art of speaking is articulation Oh. Are you able to clearly articulate the thoughts that you want to formulate in the outer world? So the thought is in the inner world. Thoughts inside your head. I got a thought inside my head. I want AJ and his audience to, to understand the thought that I have inside my head. So I need to bring the thought that's inside, the thought that's inside my head, I need to bring the thought outside. So that you can see it. And so articulation has three pillars, three little definitions. A person who is articulate, the art of speaking, they're able to create the, the thought form in a way that is clear. Not, well, good afternoon. I'm going to talk today about the thing. That, and we also want to know about the. See, I'm speaking and I'm throwing thoughts out there, but they're not that clear. But when I become present by using the power of the pause, I become grounded. I now have a little bit of time to think about how I want to formulate the thought that I want to share with the audience. And I can formulate it with my vocal variety. I can formulate it with my gestures, with my hands. I could even go to another level where I'm going to formulate it using three-dimensional objects. This is, this is the direction you want to go because not only does, a, does articulation have to do with under, uh, clarity, and it also has to do with understanding. So if I want you to understand what I'm saying, if I can express my thought in a three-dimensional form, you now have three dimensions in your consciousness to understand the thought that I'm saying. With just gestures, it's just a two-dimensional, like this. Without any gestures at all, it's just a one-dimensional. Because I'm talking right now, but you know you can't really see my thought too well. But now you can really see my thought. So the impact of this is even greater. And the third part of articulation of a professional speaker, which I really, really love, is fluidity. You are fluid when you speak. Well, what, what's fluidity mean? Well, what's the opposite of fluidity? Opposite of fluidity would be friction, would be resistance. And so you see the amateur speaker their sounds that they make are very close together. They're not even thinking about creating space, pausing between the, they're not even thinking about that. And without a space, there's no fluidity. It's like two things close together. You can't, you, you, there's no flow of energy there. But when you begin to practice creating spaces between the sounds that you speak, you now have fluidity. And I jokingly tell the students that you know, space, space is the lubricant that reduces the friction. 
So when you can apply a little space oil between the between the sounds that you that you speak, you then have fluidity and you are dissolving the chains of that of the conceptual thoughts and you're beginning to experience a transcendent dimension of consciousness, a sense of presence, a sense of groundedness. You're no longer just a ripple on top of the ocean. You pause and you whew, you fall into the ocean, the ocean of stillness, the ocean of the now. And what's available when you speak, that space is available to everybody, but very few people in the beginning even know the resource of the empty space of nothingness even exists. They're too busy making sounds, baby. My ego is speaking. I got things I want to say. I don't want to stop. I want to talk. I want to tell you everything I can possibly tell you. I'm dumping that information on you. Who? I don't want to spot. Pause. You mean pause? You mean stop speaking? No, that would be suicide. My, my ego wants to speak. But my being, my being wants to have love. My being wants to have compassion. My being wants to bring joy to the world. And so by disrupting the pattern of the speaking of the ego, you are released from the prison. But it takes time. Got to practice. Got to do the push-ups. Got to go to the gym. You got to practice pausing. I'm too busy to practice. All right. Well, then you're stuck in the prison and you will suffer the rest of your life because you're trapped by those thoughts inside your head. You want to be released from the thoughts. Mukti, released from the prison of the thoughts. Right. Right, Alan. Uh, While public speaking, a lot of people are anxious, a bit nervous. Some are a bit more. So how do they deal with this nervousness? Because once you stand in front of people, then you are like exposed. You are there. Everybody can see you. Yeah. Amidst all that situation, how do you still cover your nervousness? How do you do that without it impacting your public speaking that is about to happen? You bet. First thing that I think of, have you earned the right to speak? Okay, that's a, good, that's, a, that's a great point. Have you earned the right to speak? Don't worry about the quality of your speaking. Don't worry about professional amateur speaking. Don't worry about creating space. Don't worry about the mukti or the mindfulness. Do you have the right? Is the depth of your knowledge on the subject matter, is the ice thick under your feet? And if you've earned the right to speak, then you've gotten the major part out of the way. Because the fear is they're going to ask you a question, you're not going to be able to answer, you're going to look like a fool, don't want to look like a fool, you're exposing yourself. But if you you have the depth of knowledge, then that issue is off the table. Now I've earned the right to speak. Okay. Now that I've earned the right to speak, now we can train you. Now, now, we can, now, we can, now we can train you how to use the instrument. I use a, 
often use the flute as, a, as an instrument. And the body is like a flute. You blow through the flute, it, it, make, it makes a noise, monotone noise, not that professional. But if you can hold the flute a certain way and blow just the right amount of air, I can change the notes on the flute. And so when you become present, when you begin to pause, you regain control of the instrument. That then allows you to clearly articulate your thoughts. So now that we've talked about you gain control of the instrument, so now I feel more comfortable with the instrument, but you have to be able to practice the pausing. And in order to practice pausing, what I'd recommend to your audience is to go home, sit down in a chair, quiet environment, free of distractions, in front of a mirror. And see if you can close your eyes, ground your feet on the floor, put your hands in the mudra, like this, rest them on top of your thighs, and just practice breathing. Take some deep breaths. Eyes are closed. Take some deep breaths. Get your body really, really relaxed. And when you think your body is relaxed, relax it more, especially your jaw muscles. Get these jaw muscles relaxed. Then when you're ready, open your eyes and see if you can just hold eye contact with your with yourself in the mirror. Don't have to say anything. Just hold eye contact with yourself in the mirror. Often people can't do that. No, they're fidgety. So if you can't get your body still by yourself in front of the mirror with the doors closed, then don't expect to be able to look like a professional in front of an audience. And so practice the mirror work. Practice the pausing in the mirror. Then start making some sounds. How many sounds does a person speak in a minute? Well, you Google it, 125, 140 words per minute. All right, let's boom, let's cut it in two. Let's go down to 70 words per minute. Now, when I go down to 70 words per minute, I am erasing 70 words. There was 140, now there's only 70. So I've erased, in, in the spaces between the sounds, I've erased words. And so that creates the empty space. And so you're practicing creating the empty spaces. The anxiety that you have inside your head has nothing to do with what's going on right now. The anxiety that people have with public speaking is the fear of the future. Oh my goodness! When I see AJ and I get on, when I get on the show, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna say something stupid. I'll look like a fool. But that didn't happen. But that would be the thoughts that may come up before you get there, and often those thoughts are so powerful that they won't do any speaking at all. They won't stand up at all. Ninety-nine percent of people will spend their entire life sitting in the chair. 1% maybe will stand up and talk. That's the power of the ego. That's the strength of the fear. So face the fear and the death of fear is certain. 
So at least practice by yourself and so you can keep your body relaxed while you're speaking. So that, that's, all, that's all you have to do is keep your body relaxed while you are speaking. But you can't keep the body relaxed unless you have the thought while I'm speaking to you inside my head, oh, Alan, make sure your body's relaxed while I'm speaking to AJ. If I don't have the thought, then that I'm not embodied. I'm disembodied. I'm thinking about what I want to say. I'm not thinking about the flute. Right. I'm not thinking about how to hold the flute. I'm not thinking about the breathing. I'm not thinking about the pausing. And therefore, my articulation skills, my fears go down. My, my, I get nervous, and, but when I begin to pause, I become more relaxed. Right, Alan. Right. So now let me ask you uh, something related to this, but in a different manner. A lot of people on the sales side, marketing side, or in other businesses, political leaders, CEOs, COOs, you know, all those leadership positions, several of them in different settings, in front of employees, in front of media, in front of people, they speak a lot of untruth. What sort of a public speaking is that? What is the art involved in that? And how do they tackle that part of nervousness, which is obviously from their mind, it will certainly emanate that, listen, guys, you are lying. You are telling a lie to all those people you are talking right now. What is that part of public speaking and how are they doing it the way like an artful dodger, if you say, if I may use the word. Well, I'm in the United States right now. <laughs> and we're going through politics. And over my lifetime, things have shifted a bit. Uh, the now is a bigger divide between the red, which is the Republicans, and the blue, which is the, which is the Democrats. And who wants the power? And I have to have people vote for me. My, my point of view. Well, how can I get people to vote for me? Well, I can say outrageous things that, that gets, gets their ego, their identity, all, all excited. For example, we have white racism. People who have white skin are threatened by people who don't have white skin. And so if you are identified yourself as, I feel threatened that I feel I have to have all the white folks together and we need and there's other people are bad people and that excites and and therefore I will say whatever I have to say in order for you to vote my way now from a spiritual point of view from a a point of view of reducing the suffering that is not what you want to do because it it damages you psychologically but you don't know that. You don't know it damages you psychologically. Lying, being deceitful in order to achieve something. Uh, yeah, you may, you may win in the short term. But from a reducing the psychological suffering, which is what my life is focused on, how do you do that? How do you achieve that state of mindfulness? Well, lying and being deceitful 
is not going to achieve that state of balance, that state of mindfulness. However, ego doesn't care. Ego wants the power, baby. I want the power. I'll do. I'll say and do anything I can as long as you vote the way I want you to vote. I don't, I'll say the, the the earth is flat. I'll say that the, the the moon is 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 here. You know, I will say whatever I have to say to get you to do what I want you to do. And and so you damage the integrity. And so you so now a lot of people have a lot of sickness, physical sickness, uh, and. The physical sickness is caused by the thoughts inside your head. And, and so if you want to reduce the physical sickness, uh, you want to begin to manage the thoughts inside your head. And how do you do that? Start erasing the thoughts. Just erase any, just erase the thoughts. And that, that, that will dissolve the links that connect the thoughts together, release the freedom, it will release you from the freedom. And, and, and so that would be the goal of a transpersonal psychologist. And you can achieve that result by practicing the pausing between the sounds that you speak. And so those are my thoughts about your question. Wonderful, wonderful, Alan. Uh, very, very uh, nice ones. And actually, you put that in perspective that those those might be damaged. Those words who they are using in public speaking to, you know, they are challenging the integrity of the people, and it's going to damage not only them but also themselves in the long run. They will be moving away from, as you put the word, mukti in their own sense of the word. I don't know. What they, what they are trying to achieve. But actually, that is not the right thing for anybody to damage not only the present, but also the future. Now, I want to understand uh, from you, you have, you have spent your whole life in mindfulness tools and finding them out, training people. Uh, you know, Alan Carroll and Associates, you have founded that. Before that, you were a training consultant and then Digital Equipment Corporation, it's just a full life of achievement. And now a lot of people who want to achieve something from in their lives, want to learn something from you, how do they connect with you? We're available through our website. That would be, the, that would be a portal that you could go to. That's www.acamindfulfuluyou.com. That would that would get you into the the world of Alan Carroll Associates, from which you have coaching. You can schedule coaching. You can go to Candley. You can see we do individual coaching. We have you know we do trainings with organizations. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm flying out to Workday to do a three day course out in Pleasanton, California, for the for the executive team at Workday. And so we are you know we fly all over the world. You know, as I say, I've been to India many times. Yes, yes, I was about to come. So, what brought you to India? Because that's that's a, obviously, as I as I said earlier, work related. But exactly, what did you uh, venture to find out in India, and what did you take away from India? As you said, you were using a couple of words, you know, mukti, and a couple of other words. How was that? As a teenager. I remember reading uh, Autobiography of a Yogi 
by Paramahansa Yogananda. And he described life in India and magic, guru. Uh, Sheryushwar was his guru. And the ashram and the experiences that he had. And, and I'm here in, you know, California and I'm looking, boy, I don't have those experiences. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me that said, I want that. I, I want to go down that path. And so India has the 5,000 years of tradition of the spiritual branding. Uh, no one else has that, uh, like India does. And so it's always been, you know, in my mind, well, it'd be great to go to India. So then when opportunity came through Cisco System to train their engineers in Bangalore, I began to travel several times to India, and then I would venture out to the different ashrams. The first one I went to was Sai Baba in Wakefield. Wakefield or Whitefield, I'm not sure. It's, I think it's Whitefield. Uh, right side of, outside of Bangalore. Right. You see that ashram, and then you go to the east coast to see Orbindo, and then Shirti up in Shirti uh, north of Mumbai, I believe. And uh, just to be able to be exposed to, to that to that that energy, that energy. However, what one thing I discovered is that the the pause in India, the same pause in the United States. You can achieve mukti right here and. In the United States, you can achieve muti in India. You don't have to go to the top of the mountain. You don't have to meditate. You don't have to do all those things forever and ever and ever. All you have to do is practice what I call mindful, spacious speaking. Putting little cracks of silence between the sounds that you speak. And you become still. You create little pockets of stillness between the sounds that you speak, that I consciously created. And the stillness is no agitation. And you achieve a state of equilibrium. And when you achieve that mental equilibrium, you're no longer seduced by those thoughts of the ego. You now are free to express your love to express your divine being and you're not needing to defend your point of view, which was developed over the course of your lifetime simply by the garden in which you were raised. And so everyone's raised in a different garden. So everyone has a different point of view about whatever is they're looking at. So there's 7 billion plus different points of view about whatever the issue is. Of course, your ego thinks that my point of view is right. However, when you create the cracks or the spaces between the sounds that you speak, a flow of energy appears. You become more relaxed. You become more grounded. Tension in your body disappears. Your, your, health, your, your health gets better. Your breathing gets better. The oxygenation of your body gets better. You're more grounded. You're not carried away by the thoughts inside your head. You're able to stay present and grounded and stable. And that's what you want. You want that mental equilibrium to deal with all the stuff coming at you. But most people, they get very reactivated 
when when their ego was threatened. For example, if 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 I was a New England Patriot fan, football fan, and they win, oh yeah, 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 they lose. Oh, they shouldn't have lost. Those referees, they were bad. So I'm my emotions are affected by the things that I've identified myself to be. And those are conceptual. And so what we're talking about is practicing non-conceptual, no concepts, meaning empty spaces, consciously create empty space. So now there's the non-conceptual and there's the conceptual. There's a balance between the two. So there's a dance. There's a dance between the speaking, conceptual, and the pausing, non-conceptual. That's what the the yin-yang is, the the, the the white is the yang energy, which is the forward thrusting of my thoughts. And the yin energy is the, the balancing. And so when you watch a professional actor, what they're doing is they're balancing the creation of the sound, but also the creation of no sound. And they make lots and lots of money. And people pay lots and lots of money to see them talk like that. And what are they doing? They're practicing mindful, spacious speaking under the direction of the director. And so that's available to everybody by practicing pausing between the thought between the thoughts that they speak. Right, Alan. Right. You have achieved so much in life. You have done so much in life. You are still going strong. You bet. You you have such a great understanding of life. A lot of even in India, people know about this, but they don't actually practice it. Maybe several of people I can tell you. You have such a deep understanding, and your thought is almost aligned to way our old sages and monks and everybody used to say. What's written in the uh, in the Bhagavad Gita? So many of things about mukti, about nirvana, about, you know, about just leaving the ego away. Yep. You know, otherwise, you, however heavy you are, your thoughts can lift you away. And the lightest, the lighter you are, not even your thoughts, nothing can lift. But your mind, you can move away from ground to universe and multi-universe and you can travel them and come back in good shape and, and, and you know, in, in, in oneness full of yourself about about the real concept of life you understand that's what life as we know as we know it in the real sense if you understand things and in when when that knowledge is in india it's only knowledge knowledge does not belong to one person it's for the humanity for the universe and whoever has that courage to dive deep into the ocean of knowledge will come out with all the treasures that's down there who doesn't will never get there and understand so what is it now after achieving so much in all spheres of life? What is it now, Alan, that you seek? You're right. I have been gathering information. I've been experiencing my life. I've been going to India. I've been going to gurus. I, and, but more importantly, I've been practicing. Every day, I have a, I have a sadhana. A sadhana. I practice probably an hour, ten hour and ten minutes. Combines the yoga, combines the breathing, combines the eyes closed meditation, the 
oh, six, seven years ago, I was watching a TED Talk. And this Indian fella down in Mysore named Sadhguru comes on the, comes on the TED Talk. Two sentences, I say, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo, this guy's good. And so I became a follower of Sadhguru. And he has inner engineering program, which is a 20, 22-minute mindfulness exercise. Everybody can do. It's excellent. It's a good beginning practice. Then you can go to the next level. The next level would be, he calls it sunya meditation. Sunya meditation, the creation of nothing. And so I've been practicing the Sunya meditation uh, for the last three years, every day. Don't don't miss a day. Just like brushing your teeth. You don't miss a day. And Sunya meditation is the practicing of the erasing of thoughts. And so when you finally begin to erase thoughts, you realize that there is an empty space on the other side of the thoughts that you think. But you've got to give up the identity of the ego in order to get there. And, and the key, key element there is, is forgiveness. You've got to be able to practice forgiving. Forgiving what? Well, you look at the world that you live in. You look at your life from the beginning of your life to this moment of now. There are things that have happened to you, things that you've seen that are grievances, complaints. My mother, she didn't love me the way I want my My father, I was poor. I was a victim. I was raised here. I didn't have any money. Those people. And so you have a whole bunch of grievances and complaints that you, that you carry. I, I use this like it's like a, a sack. That, that you carry with you. These are my grievances. The ego traffics in these. This is what my grievances are. What's your grievances, AJ? And you bring your grievances to the table. And I bring my, and we start talking about our grievances. And if we have the same grievances, we'll form a club. We'll form a club and have a song. We are the grievances. We are, And you begin to have a group identity, a collective identity. And you all get together, but we need them bad people out there. Because without those bad people, I can't have any grievances. And so we have to be able to give up our grievances. You have to be able to forgive. But that's psychologically a very challenging problem. Because why would I give up something that that is the truth? That person did do that to me, and I will never, ever forget that person. I can't do that. It's a total denial of the truth. That is unforgivable what they did. It's unjustified. They have no right. It's, it's, I'm right in my wrath. And so if you have those thoughts, you can give up that piece of junk that you have painted in your reality. It's like painting a piece of crap in, in the movie. You won't, you won't forgive your mom. You won't forgive. You don't forgive yourself. The things you've done, you don't forgive yourself. And so then you're traveling with this weight on your back, which creates so much suffering. And so you start practicing forgiveness. You don't have to do the big stuff. Just start the little stuff. Forgive. Forgive. Let go. Let go of it. Let go of it. And, and what you'll notice is that, as you said, you become lighter. 
because the weight of the grievances. It'd be like a hot air balloon. How do you how do you get a hot air balloon to go up? Well, there's this 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 gondola that you sit in, and you can turn the heat on. The fire will heat the heat the envelope of the balloon. It'll make it go higher, or you can throw the the weight. You drop the sand or the water off the gondola, and that will make it go up higher. So if you want to achieve a higher state of consciousness, drop the weight of the thoughts, any thoughts. Just begin to practice dissolving the thought. And every time you can create a space or a pause, you wake up, you become more conscious, and you start to rise up in your consciousness. And so you have more light to shine on what is in front of you right now. You can see things further in the future. Your intuition gets better. You access wisdom. You access creativity because you have that now empty space which is on the other side of the thoughts that you think. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And it was a very, very cool interview, Alan. Thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed it very much, AJ. Thank you for the opportunity to be Same able to share with you something that I believe it will transform people's lives. There is there is so much to talk. So this is just the beginning. Uh, only, you know, in one, one podcast, you can only share as much as this is possible. Otherwise, people won't watch, don't like watching too much of it or hearing too much of it. All the nuggets should be in the form of nuggets, not in the back, in the back full of woes as such. So uh, uh, for now, I'm sure this should be enough for, for the first part of it. And we'll surely talk again. That's the way I see it. Wonderful. Would love to do that. Right. On this note, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much, Alan. It was Thank a pleasure you. to talk to you. Thank you very much.